Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Matthew chapter 11, are you there? Started the Arrival series about three weeks ago. And uh, by the way, Pastor JP completely preached the house down last Sunday. It was amazing. Amazing message. You can go on YouTube and check it out, youtube.com backslash Calvary Connect. But this is week four, and I want to continue through the Arrival series. And we're going to pick up the story of John the Baptist. And this is an interesting story. We're going to read a few verses here. And if you don't have a Bible, up on the screen or you can share with your neighbor. It says this. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, this is John the Baptist, John, his cousin, he was in prison. He heard about the deeds of the Messiah. He went to his disciples to ask him. He told his disciples to go to the Messiah and ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news, come on, is that good news for anybody, that this is the Jesus that we believe in, the good news is being proclaimed to the poor, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out to the wilderness to see, a reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in the king's palace. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it was written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Out of these 11 verses, I want to share a message with you that's on my heart this morning. And the subject, if you're taking notes, is anchored in the promise. Anchored in the promise. I want you to tap four or five people around you and tell them, I'm anchored in the promise. Come on, I want you to shake them, tell them to smile, we're in church. And tell them, I'm anchored in the promise. Come on, tell somebody, I'm anchored in the promise. Anchored in the promise. And if this is your first or second time with us, we love that you are here with us. I believe this is the best place you could be on a Sunday. And I'm not just saying that because it's Calvary Kendall and uh, we're family here. I'm saying that because I truly believe it with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul. This is the best place you could be. It is the house of God, God's presence, God's people. And uh, it doesn't matter how you walked in here. I'm believing that you're going to walk out of here different. So we're glad that you are in the house and that you're going to see here at Calvary, we're a family. We take notes. We shout whoever's up here down. We preach the preacher down, whoever it is. So feel free to join us. And if you don't believe in God, it's okay. Just know he believes in you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Amen. We're going to pray and we're going to pray for God to just be with us during this time. But I also want to take a moment to pray. As Pastor JP mentioned, uh, there's atrocities happening, uh, obviously in Syria, in Aleppo, and many of us have made contributions and donations. And as a church, we were able to make a donation and we're to continue to. Uh, But I think the first thing we should do is pray. I think it's a little bit, it's, 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 it's both. It's pray and act. We can't just pray and we can't just act without prayer. It's got to be both. And as a church, this is what we're doing. And I want us to pray this morning. Maybe you're hearing, we got, people got different opinions about why things are happening and that's fine. But there's people who are suffering in the middle of it. And let's pray that God will be with them, that God will comfort them, that God will give them strength. It has been heartbreaking. Um, I mean, just 
disheartening just seeing what is going on. And I think as a church, let's pray. A lot of great organizations that are on the ground. We have a lot of great brothers and sisters in Christ that are on the ground right now over there doing whatever they can. Uh, you can check out Preemptive Love is an awesome organization. Doctors Without Borders, another incredible organization. Uh, but let's pray. Let's pray for them this morning. Let's pray for the people and let's pray for the organizations and that God somehow, somehow uh, would do something there and protect the people. Amen. Anybody, anybody down to pray with me this morning about this? Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a good God, that you love us, that you're for us, that you're with us. God, right now we want to take a moment as a church, as a community, as a family to uh, lift up the people of Syria and especially Aleppo. God, you know what has been going on over the last several years there, God. And it seems like things have actually gotten worse. We pray right now, God, that your supernatural hand would be there right now in the middle of this situation. God, I believe that supernatural stories can come out of this, God, that you would protect people underneath the shelter of your wings, God. We pray that you would be with them, that you would encourage them, that you would be with them, that they would know that they are not by themselves, that you are with them, God. God, we pray for every sister, every brother in Christ, that you would continue to lift their head up, that their eyes will be placed upon you, God. God, we pray for relief in the name of Jesus, God. We pray, God, that even the organizations that are on the ground, preemptive love, doctors without borders, and many more, God, that you would help them get supplies and resources in there as soon as possible be with them jesus help bring this to an end god we pray you would make a way where there seems to be no way god in jesus name god we pray this morning here for our family for our community that you would be with us here this morning that you would speak to us as we look into your word as we're talking about the arrival of jesus God, that you would help us to see you better. We want to see Jesus. We want to know Jesus better. We want to know you, God. Help us to know and meditate on your word always. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people say. Come on, all God's people say. Can you give God a big shout of praise if you love Jesus? Come on. Come on. Has anybody here ever tried to order anything online? Anybody in here online buyer? If you are online buyer, let me see. Can you give me a wave of your hand? Wow. Big amount percent of people. Okay. A lot of people. A lot of people like the online option. I don't know about you. Have you ever tried to book a hotel online? You ever tried to book a hotel online? Now, how many know pictures are deceiving? (laughs) Pictures are deceiving. And uh, I had somebody tell me recently, and this guy, you know, he's a single guy looking for a woman of God, and he said... Man, Alex, man, pictures are deceiving. Instagram, uh, she looked beautiful, but then when I met her face to face and I said, man, you do the same thing. (laughs) Pictures are deceiving. I remember we we were trying to book this hotel and the hotel looked beautiful. It was a good price, cheap price. And we said, okay, we can do this hotel. Let's do it. When we got to the hotel, it looked like the roaches had just had a party. I mean, it was just disgusting. It was, has it ever happened to anybody where the expectations that you thought didn't meet? What you thought, you know what I'm saying? Like you just had these high expectations and all of a sudden you're just like, man, this is not what I saw in pictures. This, this is disgusting. This is horrible. Like this hotel, who sleeps here? This is bad. Expectations that weren't met. I have a friend who recently decided to buy a lot of clothes online. He decided to buy a bunch of clothes online. He, he, he saw a good deal and he said, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of this deal and I'm going to buy a bunch of clothes, bunch of clothes. I'm talking about bags and bags of clothes. It was very cheap, very good. He's like, I'm going to buy this. It was awesome. We were there when the clothes arrived to his house, and um, it, looked like the, it looked like the clothes was about 10 sizes too small. I mean, this was bad. It was bad. I'm not going to put them out there, but 5 p.m. Pastor Hedda, just, just imagine you're just buying all this clothes online. And uh, 
It was nothing like it showed online. I mean, have you ever had expectations about something and that they weren't met? I think that's one of the most disappointing things, that you have these high expectations. You know, I'm thinking this morning, when I was thinking about this weekend, thinking about John the Baptist, there's, there's times in our life when we have expectations about God, and it seems like God doesn't meet our expectations. Right? Like, like one thing is to expect things in life, but another thing is to expect God to do something in your life, and all of a sudden, it looks like God is nowhere to be found, and he isn't meeting your expectations. I, I don't know if it's happened to you, but it's happened to me. Where all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm believing and I'm praying for God to do something and the expectations are not met. Expectations can be deceiving, right? Because you're expecting things in life. I don't know about you, but I, I think most of us, we expect life to go pretty good, pretty well. We expect life to be, be all right. We expect to have a pretty healthy life. We expect that one day we would find a girlfriend or a boyfriend. And, and we're just like, I expect one day to get married and, and have a beautiful wedding. And I know Ricky's expecting and he's praying and fasting 21 days. 2017 is going to be his year. And I believe it in Jesus' name. We speak it. Should have been a hundred, but it's going to happen. But expecting, right? Expecting. And then then you expect to get married. And then you expect that that your marriage is going to go well. And you have this fantasy of a beautiful wedding and a beautiful life and all all these expectations that marriage is going to be awesome. And and I'm going to be 40, 50 years in with 10 kids. And that's a whole lot of kids, but 50 grandkids and life is going to be awesome. But what happens when, when life is coming and those expectations aren't being met? A few years in, and you're like, wait a minute, this is not the woman I thought I married. Oh, wait, wait a minute, my husband, he, he, he's a hard-headed fool. <laughs> you're just like, wait, this is not the guy that I, I met when I was young, and I had all these expectations of what I thought my life was going to look like, and now I'm here, and it's, it's nothing like it, right? You, you expect a good career, and all of a sudden you find yourself, hey, I'm 29, and I'm still not in the career that I wanted. I'm 45, and I'm still not making the money I thought I should be making. I'm, my, my life, my family, I'm still not out of debt. Have you ever had expectations that just weren't met? It is pretty disheartening. And you're like, what, I, what, God, where are you? I don't understand where you are. Maybe you're in here this morning. You have unmet expectations. And because of that, your head's a little bit down and you're looking down and you're saying, I know there's a lot of reasons to celebrate, but I don't feel like celebrating because my life is not where it should be. I mean, right now, the way my life, it, it, I, I thought I would be way further in life. I thought my life would look different. I thought my marriage would look different. And all these expectations haven't been met. And maybe you're in here and you're saying it's, it's maybe a dream that hasn't been Come to realize it's maybe a vision that I expected would come to pass. It's maybe my life and and you find yourself really out of hope and you find yourself expectations not being met. I don't know if there's anybody like that here this morning, but I really feel that this is what we are celebrating. This is what the arrival is all about, that if we think about the Christmas season, the Christmas season is more than lights, more than trees. It's actually about a God who loved us so much that sent his son Jesus. And when we look back at the past, we can see that God was so faithful that he sent his one and only son Jesus to come die for you and for me. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I can look at the past and say, wait a minute, God is faithful. He loves me. He sent his son Jesus. This is why I can have hope. And if God came before, then I can look to the future and know that God will do it again. How many know we're believing that God is coming one more time for his people? Oh, you can have hope this morning because Jesus did arrive on the scene. Oh, so maybe you're saying that my life is not where I expected it to be. Let Christmas be a sign of hope that God is always on the move. Maybe life isn't how you expect it, but trust that God is always working. 
God is always on the move. And you're here with, with, with all these expectations that haven't been met. But you have to understand that the Christmas story itself is about disappointment and expectations not being met. Because when Jesus came on the scene, how many know he didn't meet a lot of expectations? People were thinking about a different Savior. People were thinking about a different Messiah. And he didn't meet the expectations that many thought would come. Here, here in Matthew chapter 11, where we picked it up, we read that Jesus is hanging around with his disciples, with his friends, with his homies, and he's teaching them and instructing them. And he says, I want you to go preach and tell people about me. And all of a sudden it says the disciples go out preaching and Jesus himself goes off to preach, which, by the way, shows me that Jesus is a good leader. A good leader doesn't just say things. He does things as well. Come on. If you want to be a good leader in your home, don't just talk the talk. Walk the walk. Can I get an amen? Jesus is a phenomenal leader, and here he is. He goes off to preach, and all of a sudden it says that John is in jail. This is John the Baptist. Wait a minute. John the Baptist is in jail. This is kind of crazy because, remember, John was special. Remember, John was actually from God. This was a prophecy that came. We talked about a couple weeks ago. His mother and father were way beyond their years. They were old. The Bible called them advanced in age. Remember, they were way advanced in age. And all of a sudden, an angel appeared to his father and said, you're going to have a son. I want you to call him John. He's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. It's John the Baptist. John the Baptist, all of a sudden, one day, it says that his mom, Elizabeth, is pregnant. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, is pregnant as well. She comes into the room. John the Baptist, since he was in his mother's womb, recognized Jesus. The Bible says that he leaps in his mother's womb. Since he was, a, since he was in his mother's womb, he was full of the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist wasn't just any prophet. I mean, this is a powerful, powerful prophet. Here he recognized and he knew Jesus and he starts preaching and he wasn't just any preacher. He was a, a bold, loud preacher and he starts saying, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. The Messiah is here. You're about to see him and he's preaching all over the place. People are coming, running, getting baptized. And one day he baptizes Jesus and he says, I can't baptize you. Jesus says, of course you can. Boom, dunks him in the water. The Holy Spirit falls, the voice from heaven. This is my son whom I love, who I'm well pleased in. John sees all these things. And he continues to preach a bonus, and one day he calls out the king because the king had married the wife of his brother, and there was a whole mess situation going on. It was all over Instagram, Twitter, and TMZ, and, and John the Baptist calls him out. And because of that, the king puts him in jail. And now John is in jail, but you have to understand, John, John had seen Jesus. John knew Jesus since his mother's womb. So you can imagine, I, I, how was John when he first went into jail? I mean, his attitude must have been like, Pfft. Y'all don't know my cousin. <laughs> oh, snap. You, you think you're going to hold me here? Oh, can't nobody hold me down. Oh, can't nobody hold me down. Wait a minute. Wait, my cousin. My cousin's about to come in here. Let me tell you, he's about to rain fire on all of y'all. It's okay. I'm going to be out of here pretty soon. Up in here. Up in here. His name is Jesus. He's the son of God. He is the Messiah. He was the one that was to come, is to come, and will come again. It is Jesus Christ. Oh, come on. He sits. Earth is a footstool. And he starts preaching about Jesus. My goodness, and John could preach. He was loud. He was bold. And he starts saying, you guys have no idea what you just did. This jail, it is going to crumble and fall. I'm going to be free as a bird. We're going to take over the palace. We're going to take over the time. And he was all excited. You can imagine the guards are like, whoa, who's this cousin he's talking about? Jesus. People must have quit. Like, I don't want to be a guard. His cousin sounds crazy. But then some time passes, maybe some months, and and, and Jesus is nowhere to be seen. And here's John the Baptist sitting in a dungeon. If you actually look where he was at, he was up at a mountaintop, almost completely desolate by himself in a dungeon. 
Months pass and, and Jesus is nowhere to be seen. Actually, from what we read, it, it almost seems like Jesus doesn't even come to visit his cousin. So John the Baptist, imagine, his mind begins to run wild and he's like, where's my cousin? Where, where's Jesus? Where is the Messiah? I don't, I don't, where is he? I mean, I expected him to come. I expected him to come and, and save me and rest. Have you ever had these expectations of God? God, I thought I wouldn't be here by now. God, I thought you would have saved my husband, but I thought you would bring my son and my daughter home. I thought this sickness wouldn't be in my body. I thought, and we have all these expectations of God. God, why? Why am I here? It's been all this time. I thought I'd be out of here by now. I thought my life would look different. I'm sitting here in a prison. God, I don't understand. This is John the Baptist, and he calls over two of his friends that could visit him in jail, and he says, hey, I want you to go ask my cousin, are you the one or should I look for another? Wow, what a question from Jesus' own cousin, the one who witnessed the Holy Spirit, the one who heard the Father's voice. And now he's asking, are you the one or should I look for another? How many times when God doesn't come, when we want, we say, maybe I should look for something else. I still haven't gotten out of debt, so maybe I should go look for money another way. Well, my wife still isn't saved. Maybe I should look for another. Well, my husband, my, I've got all these issues. My job is at work. Maybe there's other things that I should do. And like, God, you know where to be found. I'm going to give up and I'm going to go try something else. Because when God fails to meet our expectations, what we think he should do, then we come with our own set of plans. He says, are you the one or should we look to another? What a question. I think we have to be careful because if we only focus on what God is not doing, we miss everything he is doing. Number one, we need to change your focus. Change your focus. I don't know what you're focused on, but I'm not going to focus on what God has not done for me. I am going to put my eyes on everything that God has already done in my life. How many know he's forgiven us of our sins? He washed us in the blood. He made me righteous. I can stand before the Father because of what the Son did on the cross. I'm not looking at what God hasn't done. I'm looking at everything God already did. I may not have everything I want. How many know I got everything I need already? It's a God that we serve. Come on, somebody give God a big shout of praise. This is the God that we have in our life. What is your focus on? What are we looking at? We're looking at God. You should have done this already. God, this in my life should have been accomplished by now. You're looking at the wrong thing. We need to change our focus and look at everything that God is doing. This is John the Baptist, the same one who at one point in his life said, oh, that I may decrease so that he may increase. A few months later, it's saying, where is my will, not God's will? I want to be out of here. Oh, be careful when we pray. We say we want God's will, but then when it doesn't happen, we're saying, wait a minute, it's my will. You got to be careful. What is it that you're seeing? You got to be careful. You know, what happens in life is that once the place changes that you're in, your perspective of God will change as well. Right? Because when you're at the mountaintop, when it's a good place to be and you have victory, your perspective of God is awesome. Oh, he's a good God. <laughs> oh, in his hands, Nate, that's a beautiful song. Sing it all night long. Yeah, I love it. But when your place changes and life is difficult and you're in the valley, oh, your perspective of God is different. Oh, this is John the Baptist who was in the wilderness preaching, a man who grew up in the wild. Now he's all of a sudden in a dungeon, four walls surrounding him. His perspective of God is changing. He's saying, is he the one? Is he the one? Be careful, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says to put our eyes on what is not seen, on what is eternal. Are you looking at temporary stuff instead of looking at the God who is the eternal God and who holds us in the palm of his hands? The Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we walk by faith, not by sight. What is it that we're looking at? And here John the Baptist is in prison and all of a sudden doubt begins to come into his mind. Doubt creeps up into his mind and 
And he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is my cousin Jesus. This is the one that I knew was going to come save us. By now, I should be hearing trumpet sound. I should be seeing an army of horses. He was going to come, and he was supposed to take out Rome, and he was supposed to take out King Herod, and we were supposed to be in the palace chilling. Like, I don't understand. This, is a, this was a conquering king. This is what all the Old Testament prophecies supposedly talked about, but he had a misunderstanding of the revelation. And you have to be careful that you don't have a misunderstanding because God is so big. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He's an awesome God, but we have to focus on what we do know. I'm not going to focus on what I don't understand. I am going to focus on what I know about my God. What do I know? I know that he loves me. I know that he's on my side, and I know that he's for me. I'm not going to understand what happens in my life. All I'm going to know and trust is that he loves me. So all of a sudden, doubt comes into his mind. Wait, this is John the Baptist with doubt. In his mind. How? How can it be? How can he have doubt? This is a great, great man of God. I don't know about you, but when I see that John the Baptist had doubt, it actually gives me a little bit of comfort. Because if this great man of God doubted, then I'm okay when I'm doubting. Because yeah, I don't know about you, I grew up in church where they told us that you couldn't question God. I grew up in the kind of church where they don't you ever question God. I'm like, okay, I won't question anything. Okay. A lot of things I didn't understand. But you're not supposed to question God. But then life begins to happen and you start saying, wait a minute, God, I don't comprehend these things. Right? Like I, I, I've shared this story before. I don't, 20 years old, my, my aunt, the only aunt I really knew is cancer. And I'm praying and praying and believing that God can heal her. And I remember praying for a year straight every single night for my aunt. I believe God is a healer. I know God is a healer. Come on, I've seen him heal people. But what happened was when God doesn't meet our expectations. We get the phone call that my aunt has passed away, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute, God. God, I don't understand this. This is crazy. My expectations, what I thought, what, what I thought I knew. But then if you go through the Bible, you see that Moses actually doubted God as well. And if we keep going through Scripture, there's times where even Jeremiah, the great prophet, he doubted God as well. He was the weeping prophet who, who cried over his city and he cried that, where is the salvation of God? I don't see God acting. And then all of a sudden we get to the book of Psalms and we see David time and time again is asking God, where are you? I don't see you. I don't understand. And he's doubting God. And now we get to John the Baptist, the greatest prophet of all time. And he's doubting God in prison. So if these great men of God can doubt, then I'm, I'm okay when I doubt. God is not afraid of our doubts. But what I love about John the Baptist is that when doubt came into his life, it didn't push him away from Jesus, it actually brought him closer to Jesus. Don't let the darkness of doubt keep you away from the light of Jesus. It's okay to doubt. You might be going through a rough moment right now. You might be going through some circumstances and some situations that you don't understand. And you're saying, okay, I'm hearing about this God, but I don't understand it. I don't know why this is happening in my life. Don't let that doubt keep you away from Jesus. John the Baptist calls over two friends he says, hey, can you go to Jesus for me? I can't get to him, but can you go to him? This is why it's so important to have good godly friends in your, in your, in your life. I mean, I'm, I appreciate that I got people next to me, that it don't matter when I'm down, when I'm doubting, when I'm fearful, when I'm afraid, when I have no idea what tomorrow's going to face. I got people next to me that say, come on, you got it. You can stand up. You can keep going. I'll take you to Jesus myself if I have to. We're going to church. You're going to connect group. You're going. Come on. Anybody, you got to be surrounded. You got to have community around you that can take you to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Can you ask him, is he the one or should I look for another? 
Bible says the disciples, his friends, go, go to Jesus. They had actually been hanging around with Jesus for a while. John had been sending them to see what Jesus was doing. Go with me really quick. Got a few minutes, but go with me to the book of Luke really quick. Is it okay if we read two scriptures? I don't know if in church we're allowed to read two scriptures, but go to the book of Luke chapter 7. Same story, but our friend, our brother, Uncle Luke, has a little, a little part here that I think we should read. Look at Luke chapter 7. This is the disciples of John. They had been witnessing everything that Jesus had been doing, and they had gone back, and they had told John the Baptist about what Jesus was doing. But what John didn't understand is because Jesus was doing some things that didn't match up to the expectations of John. What was Jesus doing? Well, I, I don't know if you heard, but your cousin, John, we were with him the other day, and he was at a, at a party, at a wedding party, and they ran out of wine, and your cousin made a whole lot of wine, bro. Wait, 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 this is the Messiah. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, and we were hanging around with him another day, and, and he decided to call this guy named Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector who a lot of people hated, who were seen as some of the worst in society. He actually invited him, and he had dinner with him, and a lot of people are calling him a glutton and a drunkard, and he's hanging around with prostitutes and with sinners. Whoa, 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 wait, that's my cousin? He hasn't knocked out Herod yet? He hasn't gone over, and where, where are the armies? Where are these things? No, no, none of that. What is he doing? He's just hanging around with, with the poor. He's hanging around with the people in need. I mean, it's just weird. What? So it says in Luke chapter 7 that John's disciples, verse 18, told him about all these things, calling two of them. He sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one? Or should we expect someone else? Verse 20, when the men came to Jesus, they said, hey, John the Baptist, they sent us to ask, are you the one? Is there? Or should we expect someone else? Verse 21, at that very time. Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and what you've heard. That the blind receive sight, that the lame walk, that those who have leprosy are cleansed, that the deaf hear, that the dead are raised to life, and that the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Come on, that's some good news. As soon as the disciples approached Jesus and they said, hey, your cousin's asking, are you the one or should they look for another? He said, wait a minute, I want you to pause right there. Just take a look at this. All of a sudden, he started delivering people. He started saving people. He started healing people. And then he turns around and he says, go tell my cousin all oh, that people are receiving their eyesight, that the lame are walking. Go tell them that you've witnessed the power of God. When you begin to doubt God, always trust in God's power. I don't know what you're going through in life, but one thing you can't doubt is that our God is a powerful God. He's a mighty God. Come on, the Bible says that the earth is his footstool. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 that our, that our God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask, think, or imagine. He's a powerful God. Even when we're, there's doubt in our life, one thing we can't doubt is the power of God. And so when he goes, he goes, go tell John that all these things are happening. Oh my God, whenever you have doubt of God, don't ever forget what you've witnessed God do. In your own life and the people around you. Whenever I have doubt in my life, I will never forget that I've seen people with cancer cured, that I've seen marriages restored, that I've seen drug addicts turn into hope dealers, that God has shown me people that their whole lives have been turned around. I've seen the power of God and it fuels me to keep going another day. I got a hope that will not be shaken, that I see my God. He's a powerful God. Anybody glad that they have a God with power? Oh, come on, church. He's a powerful God. And he tells him, go tell your cousin what is happening. 
My God, we got to trust his power. And at the end, he says, and also tell my cousin, blessed is he who does not stumble on account of me. Wait, 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 Jesus, why are you throwing this at the end? Therefore, a lot of theologians, this is called the misplaced beatitude. Because he's saying all these things that actually confirm the prophecies of Isaiah. When he says that the blind are seen, the lame are walking, the dead are coming to life. But then all of a sudden at the end, he says, and tell my cousin, blessed is he who does not stumble on account of me. Whoa, why, why are you throwing that beatitude there at the end, Jesus? What does that mean? You know what he's telling his cousin? Be careful. Be careful. Another word for stumble, some of you might have it in your Bible, is the word offense. Be careful he who doesn't take offense. Blessed is he who doesn't take offense. Literally what that word means in the Greek, it means a bait and a trap. What Jesus is saying here is, be careful with the bait and the trap that the enemy will set up for you. When you are in doubt, when you are in a place that God is not meeting your expectations, and all of a sudden doubt is coming into your mind, the enemy will set up bait and a trap that will say, God is not with you. Hey, hey, God forgot your prayer request. Hey, hey, I know you've been praying for your wife, but guess what? God does not love you. Hey, hey, God is too busy. He's forgotten about you. This word literally means that you take the bait and you fall into a trap. And he's saying, listen, you're in a prison. But if you're not careful, you're going to end up in a spiritual prison. If you take the bait and if you fall into the trap, you will miss to see that I love you with an everlasting love. You will fail to see and you will fail to focus that I am the God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't take the bait. I don't know how you are here this morning. I don't know what your focus is on, but I want you to focus on him. Focus on his power and don't take the bait that God does not love you. God loves you. He is on your side. He loves you more than you can imagine. And there is a hope that cannot be shaken. So when you've chosen to focus on him, when you've chosen to trust in his power, number three, you can hope in the promise. You can hope in the promise. The Bible says that we have a hope that is an anchor for our soul. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19. Paul is talking about this hope that we have. What is hope? Hope means an assurance that you know God is working on your behalf. We have an anchor. that We have a hope that is an anchor for our soul. When I'm going through life and I don't understand what God is doing, I have this anchor that will hold me in place. The Bible says that the anchor is held on to the rock and the rock is Jesus. When life makes no sense, you have an anchor in Jesus when life seems like it's going completely upside down and expectations aren't being met you have an anchor called Jesus you have to hope in the promise of God that he's gonna make a way one way or another John the Baptist had to understand John the Baptist had to understand that even though God would not deliver him in this world he would deliver them in the next world but God is faithful and the God that promised eternal life will give you eternal life he's a faithful God he's an awesome God he is not a man to lie or son of man to go break his promises anybody glad that we have an awesome God I don't know don't know what you're facing church I know many of us are going against circumstances that seem impossible and it's Christmas week and maybe you're saying I don't have a reason to celebrate I don't have a reason to smile I have a reason to get with family and celebrate it have a good time don't miss out on everything God has already done you have a hope that is an anchor for your soul it's an anchor for the soul 
When the world wants to knock us down, we have a, a hope that is an anchor. When the storms of life want us to drift away, we have an anchor for the soul. I pray that today you leave out of here realizing that you are anchored in the promise called Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is the one who came, will come, and will deliver us again. Maybe you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, I don't have a relationship with this God. I'm far from this God. I don't understand God. I don't understand what he's done in my life. I don't understand why I'm at where I'm at. I follow my own path. I've been trying to follow my own decisions, but I feel like I'm distant from this God that you're talking about. Maybe you're in here and that's how, how you feel. I want to tell you that today you can begin a relationship with this God. Come on, why don't we all close our eyes and bow our head all across this auditorium. If you're listening on the radio, if you're watching from the overflow, I believe that there's people in here that you feel distant from God and you feel like God must be mad at you. But I want to let you know that God is not a judge with his arms crossed and completely upset at you. He's a father with his arms open waiting for you. He loves you so much. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you're in here and you're tired of the path that you've been following, if you're tired of the life that you've been trying to do on your own, trying to follow your own decisions, trying to follow your own plans, and it's led you nowhere and you're frustrated and you're saying, I wish I could know this God, but my life is so messed up. My life is so distant. The Bible says that all of us are sinners and sin comes to break us apart and separate us from God. But God loved us so much that he sent his son. And when sin came to separate, Jesus came to unite once again. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, I want every single leader praying. If you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, I want a relationship with God. I want a brand new start. I want forgiveness of my sins. I want to be close to this God that you're talking about. I want to know my creator. I want to have a relationship with him. Today's your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow it is promised for no man. If you're in here and you're saying, Alex, I don't know where I would spend my my life after death. If you have no idea where you spend eternity, you can know today. You can have a relationship with the God who loves you. With eyes closed and head bowed in a moment of privacy, I'm going to count to three and I believe hands are going to go up. I believe hands are going to go up here and overflow and Maybe people watching online or on the radio, people are going to make a decision. I just want you to put up your hand for a few seconds. I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm not going to embarrass you or put you on the spot. I'm just going to acknowledge you, and then you can put it right back down. While every person is praying, eyes closed, head bowed. If that's you, if you're saying, Alex, I want a relationship with God. I want forgiveness of sins. I want to start brand new today. At the count of three, you raise your hand. One, two, three. Hands raised as high as you can, as high as you can. Amazing, amazing. God bless you. 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 God bless you and you and you and you and you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you and God bless you and God bless you. Come on, if you're watching online, if you're listening on the radio, today you can make a decision to have a relationship with the God who loves you. Anybody else, you raise your hand as high as you can. If you're saying today, I wanted this, I want a relationship with the God who loves me. Anybody else? You raise your hand. Awesome. God bless you too. Amazing. Amazing. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Awesome. Hands went up everywhere. We're going to say a simple prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer with me. If you raise your hand, I want you to say this with all you've got. All we're doing is talking to God, our Father. I believe that he's here. We believe this with all our mind, heart, and soul. And I believe that he's about to come into your life and give you a brand new start. And you're about to start the best relationship in the world. I want everybody to raise your hand. In fact, the whole church, I want you to repeat this with me out loud. I want you to say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. 
that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. Come on, can we give him a big, big hand? We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.